Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Stephen was the first true martyr for Jesus. Now, hey, I want to tell you something, true martyr, because this word true martyr has, I, I need to throw that out there because he was the first true martyr. Um, the term martyr has been twisted in our culture uh, in the past few years. Um, today, a lot of people actually believe that, that a martyr is someone who is a radicalized Muslim who blows him herself up, and, and, and they do this in an attempt to kill other people that they disagree with. In fact, last week in Turkey, um, a young teen, uh, somewhere between the ages of 12 and 14, blew himself up and killed scores of people, and mostly children, in an attempt to be a martyr. Now, let, let me explain something. Very, this is very important. That is not a martyr. That's called a suicidal murderer. Does that make sense? Very different. A true martyr is a person whose physical life is taken as a result of standing for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what a true martyr is. And so Stephen was the very first Christian whose life was taken because other people disagreed with the gospel that he was preaching. And it's kind of cool because Stephen was a marketplace leader. He, he wasn't a church employee. He, he wasn't a pastor or a clergy. He was a normal businessman, a guy who believed God's word and put it into action. He believed in the mission of his local church, the church at Jerusalem, and he just went all in. He was definitely an I'm in, let's go kind of a guy. He practiced it. If you'll open up your Bible to Acts chapter number 6, we find the story there. It takes up two chapters in the Bible. Stephen's story is only in these two chapters. And the story both begins and ends in conflict. And there's also incredible, incredible victory for the church and, and, uh, and real, really for God's work through the whole story. But, but here's a little bit of the background. The, church, the Christian church was expanding rapidly in Jerusalem. And the 12 disciples, now we're called the 12 apostles, uh, and Peter would have been basically the lead pastor of that, the local church at Jerusalem. Now, I, I, after doing extensive research, I, I really feel like it's, it's not there in the Bible, but I think the name of the church was Jerusalem City Life Center. I, I kind of feel like that was, that was the name of the church. Uh, I, I, again, I, you know, I, I, it's almost there. But, 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 but Peter would have been the senior pastor, the lead pastor. And of the 12, you see, Peter was the one who was the most prominent in the community. He was the main preacher. He was the leader of the 12. So at Jerusalem City Life Center, you have Pastor Peter, and then you have the staff of these 11 other guys who were the apostles. Now, it's interesting because just as the church operates today, just as a local church operates today, Peter and these staff pastors, they were responsible for the day-to-day -day operations of the church. In other words, protecting the congregation and praying and studying the scriptures and preaching the word of God and preserving unity. And, and, and as a result of that, God just kept blessing and the church continued to grow. But whenever a church starts to grow, things get complex. Because hey, around here when it was just this tiny little group of a few of us that would sit in here a little circle on Sunday mornings a few years ago, uh, it was, it was really simple, but as the church grows, things do get, be, get more complex. Now, the complexity they faced there was really interesting. Uh, in that particular culture, uh, a big part of what the church was doing was making sure that food was being delivered 
to the homes of some of the widows that were a part of Jerusalem City Life Center. So in other words, if they didn't get their food from the church, they were going to go hungry. You see that? So, so, so basically, it was the church's Meals on Wheels program to the Jerusalem City Life Center partners. Uh, and, and, and ministering to the needs of widows and orphans. Actually, in reality, guys, that is one of the most pure ways to live out our faith. It's compassion. And, and, and I am passionate about compassion. Uh, that's why I'm passionate that we make sure that Jack, who's a homeless among us, that, that he gets food, that he gets shelter. That's why I'm passionate that ladies in our church who have lost their husband and who have legitimate needs are being encouraged and helped. And that's why I'm passionate about providing water purification systems for families in Guatemala that are connected with our ministry down there, Are You for Children. And, and that's why we help with disaster and flood relief over in Louisiana this week. In fact, this is interesting. Do you know the Bible tells us what the sin of Sodom was? Uh, do you know what the sin of Sodom was? A lot, a lot of people are misinformed on that. I think that the sin of Sodom was actually was a, was a sexual sin or homosexuality. That was happening in the city most definitely. But the Bible doesn't say that that was the sin of Sodom. In fact, the, the Bible is very clear in Ezekiel 16. The sin of Sodom was this. It says that this is explicitly written out in the scriptures. The sin of Sodom was this, is that they were arrogant overfed, unconcerned, and didn't help the poor and the needy. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. That was the sin of Sodom. That's why God sent down fire and brimstone onto that city. It's like, I'll destroy a city. I'll destroy people who aren't going to care about other people. All they want to do is eat. They have an attitude. They're only concerned about themselves. See, that's kind of scary because in many ways, we brush up against that all the time. So it's pretty clear. And really, since the very beginning of the church, since the very first local church was launched, the church in Jerusalem, uh, one of their priorities, this is one of their priorities, was to help those who couldn't help themselves just the way that it is today in a healthy church. But as they were doing so, conflict erupted because the church is getting bigger. There were two groups of, there are different groups of people in the church, but, but one was what we call the Hellenistic Jews, and the other was called the Hebrew Jews. And these people, they were basically different ethnic groups, and they were living on different sides of town. Uh, but the Hellenistic Jews were upset because the Hebrew Jew women we're getting the Meals on Wheels program, but the Hellenistic Jews, their widows weren't getting it, and so conflict erupted, and, and Peter sat down with the staff one day, and they had, they had staff meeting, kind of like we have here, and they have staff meeting, and they said, we need to discuss this issue, we have a problem, so they decided this, they decided that, they, they, that it was best for them to not try to fight this battle themselves. And just hold more meetings and talk about how to better organize the Meals on Wheels programs. And then to personally go out and deliver the meals so that everybody could feel good that they were doing it. Because they knew this. If they did that, that would not be beneficial to the church and the, the progress of the church as a whole. It would actually be a distraction from their main calling. Now, it's very important that this happened. It's actually foundationally important that it happened. But they chose to do something different. What they chose to do is to add a new layer of leadership, almost like a new ministry department. So at church, they got up and said this, and this is recorded in the book of Acts, chapter number, uh, chapter number 6, verse 3. If you look at it in your scriptures, it says, he said, choose from among you seven men who are 
known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So the proposal pleased the whole group and they chose these people. And here are the names of the people that are listed. Stephen, who we're talking about today. Interestingly enough, already here it says he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. There were some other people that were in there. There was Philip. And uh, you know, it, these names are always interesting. You kind of wonder. I, I like to study. Actually, I do like study in depth on everything before I preach about it. But you, know, you look at that, so I was like, Procurus. It's like, oh, what is he? He, was, he like procures stuff from people? It's like, I'm going, hi, Procurus is here. Like, oh, I hate it when he shows up. I don't know. I'm sure he gave stuff away. But the Nicanor. And, and that's like, you're, you have a grandfather. He, he wasn't, he, he's the one who planted a lot of churches here in Fort Worth, named after him. Cool. Timon. I think that's an early version of Tim. Um, yeah, I was there. Some, uh, Parm- Parmenius, um, I don't know, Parmesan. Uh, maybe he had a cheese factory. I'm not quite sure. Nicholas, Nicholas, you know, he's, this is the first time Nicholas is appearing. He eventually started, he grew this big white beard and wore a red suit and, and uh, helped children. But, but, uh, but these guys, they were there at that time and they were elevated. They were, they were given this new positional leadership. It says, congregation presented these men to the apostles who then prayed over them laid their hands on them and the word look so the word of god spread so you guys have studied english that means because they did this the word of god spread so new leadership was being put into place and i just tell you guys just going to talk briefly about leadership leadership is important in the local church in fact tomorrow evening i'm going to be meeting with uh church leaders it's really one of my favorite times of the month and uh and these people work a lot of times they work behind the scenes so that the work of god can be uh, accomplished so that the word of god will spread uh, these people uh, a lot of people say well how you know how do you get to be a leader well these people have completed a leadership application and have taken a lot of our church leadership training course and they receive public leadership commissioning that's all the stuff that's in the scripture uh, if you're ever interested or, or you're, you're maybe you're called to lead, talk with me, uh, talk with Preston or talk with Colby or talk with Jordan. And, and the, the truth is, though, there are standards and criteria for leadership, just like it was in the book of Acts. It's no different than it is today because we take what we do out of the scriptures and we apply it directly to us. Uh, at City Life, basically leaders have to lead other people. I mean, you have to be leading people to be a leader. If you're not, no one, you're not leading anyone, you call yourself a leader, you're just, like John Maxwell says, you're just taking a walk. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. But, but leaders are people who are diligent, uh, uh, who have influence, who are people of character, uh, people skills, drive, and they have the intelligence that's needed to accomplish the tasks in front of them. At City Life, we believe that our church leaders are imperfect, but we know that they're growing. Uh, they show that they demonstrate that they're full of the Holy Spirit. They're living as servants. They're living their lives uh, above reproach. Now they're making disciples. Leaders here are strong and courageous, and they're meditating on God's word. They're people who obey God's word. They lead other people to inherit the land for them. At City Life, our leaders are people who love one another as Christ loves them. The leaders here protect the flock and they feed the flock and they also know to feed themselves. They build relationships and they, they are rabidly enthusiastic about preserving the unity of the local body because where there is unity, God commands blessing. They also honor God with generous giving. And, and see, we get all of these leadership traits that we look for in leaders here from the Bible because the scriptures give us plenty of clarity regarding what is expected in those who lead in the house. 
So in Acts chapter number 6, we see this new young local church. And, and uh, they didn't have all their clean systems and strategies. And, and the truth is, no movement, even if it's planted and established by God, God-ordained, it can't thrive without order and systems and structure at some point. And some of you who love order and system and structure and spreadsheets and all that, you're cheering me on right now. You're just screaming yes in your hearts because you wouldn't say it out loud anyway. And, and, but the background of this story of Stephen is really where we learn about all these church systems beginning to come into place. Stephen uh, received his leadership position uh, in, basically because he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of wisdom and he was a man who took responsibility, the Bible says, and he would follow through with whatever was given to him. He, like the guy's like, well, I'll think about it, I'll pray about it. No, I mean, he would just take it and do it. He was a man who was full of faith. But back then, uh, it was a very different world. They, they couldn't put all this out on social media so that people could see it and read it and understand what leadership criteria was about. In fact, social media, you think about it, it's, it's only been around for a little while. Uh, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have social media. In fact, I was, I was calculating this in my brain. I went back 20 years and thought, what was going on in, in the electronic computer internet world? And the internet existed and all that. But, but 20 years ago, I know what was happening because I remember 20 years ago, probably about this time 20 years ago, I was working in my church office at 1231 East Pleasant Run Road in Cedar Hill, Texas, a large church. There's on a large staff. And I received my very first... IBM 286 computer with Windows 95. Anybody remember the 286? Buddy, if you had the 286, you could run Windows 95, and you were sizzling hot. And I was so excited. And, and uh, I, I, I remember I was, I was just so excited because at that time, I, could, I actually set up my first internet email account, which I still have that one particular account today, but uh, I set up my very first email account, and it was so cool because we no I, I could now email people outside of the office. See, email before that, we'd had it for a few years, you could email people in the office, and that was nice and very helpful, uh, especially when you have a big campus, but I could email someone on the other side of the world. If I knew someone over there, I would have, and it was great, and then a few years, social media started evolving, uh, uh, things started popping up. I remember the earlier ones, uh, I, I wasn't on this, but, but I think Preston was when he was a young teenager. Zanga, any of you guys remember the Zanga? Oh, look at you guys, you're loving this. And then, then after that came MySpace. Yeah, and then it got so annoying because every time you click on someone's MySpace, music would start like, ah, stop, stop, stop. So you, many of you have MySpace accounts that are still out there and you need to figure out what the password is and go back in there and do something with that. My say still exists. Uh, then, then came Facebook, um, uh, which we all know about. That one took off, and, and Twitter followed Facebook, and after that, Instagram. All those, all those things, they're, they're actually really pretty cool. Um, in fact, you can learn a lot about people from the social media accounts. Uh, in fact, I've known of people who have actually gotten fired from, for it because they've posted certain things on social media. Personally, I've known people like that. It's funny because in the past, like, someone would say, well, they said this and said that, and you couldn't validate it or whatever. But now, it's on social media. Someone takes a screenshot, boom, it's, it's over, you know? Uh, almost every company now looks at a person's social media account before they even consider them for a job because social media tells you a lot. Uh, and it's kind of weird because these digital records that we are recording, 
they, they, we, we usually do them for our family and our friends, but really we're, it's, it's out there for the whole world, and it's quite unbelievable. I was thinking that like, I'll, I'll be like 105 years old, and, and, uh, and in the future, my great-great-grandchildren, they're going to want to try to learn something about me, and so they're, they're going to dig up my Facebook account, which, which will be out there somewhere. It'll kind of be like the MySpace at that time. Like, oh my goodness, yeah, it's Facebook, how embarrassing, or Zanga. But, but they're, they're going to go back, and they'll somehow find this, and, and, and they'll, 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 they'll go in there and start reviewing my daily activities for years and years. I mean, what a thought. How will they perceive me? Wow. But then I started thinking, what if Bible heroes had their own social media accounts? What, what if they did? What if um, they were posting to Twitter? What would that look like if Bible heroes were doing that? And I thought, well, what, what would it look like if Stephen, uh, what would it look like if he had a Twitter account? And so our creative team here at City Life did some research, and they have uncovered, actually they created, they uncovered Stephen's Twitter account. It's there. It's, it, it is there. He, and, and you know what? I'm like going, hey, I, I want to make sure it is theologically correct. I want to make sure it goes by the word of God. You guys know how I am. And so I took a look at, at Stephen's Twitter account, making sure it's not a false Stephen, and I'm telling you, it is right in line with the scriptures. In fact, when you look at Stephen's Twitter account, you will find that, 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 that he, he has a lot of his values built into his tweets, and you can kind of discern what's driving him in his life. I mean, you're, some of you are going, oh, that's so cute. No, no, I'm telling you, Stephen's Twitter account really exists. It's really out there. In fact, I started following it myself this last week. But... What would Stephen have been tweeting in the framework of Acts chapter 6 and 7? You're kind of asking me that, aren't you, right now? Because you're kind of curious, right? Right? You're like, what was he tweeting? Come on, ask me. What, what, was, what was he tweeting? What, what, what? Okay, good. I know you're concerned about that, so I'm glad you asked, so I'm going to share it with you today. In fact, his Twitter account is underscore Stephen Martyr underscore. And, and so, see, here are the tweets. This is one of the tweets that, of the narrative from today. He just says, I just left our commissioning ceremony with apostles. What a powerful event. And, and if he would have put that out there, really, Stephen, he was just very, very pumped up because he had been to this powerful ceremony where he was appointed by the church and, and commissioned by the church staff to run the food ministry for the widows. And, and this businessman, he just said, this is pure pleasure. This is a pure honor. And, and he was leading this ministry which gave the life and the love and the power of Jesus, which, which showed and demonstrated that Christianity is so different than other faiths. And, and the truth is, is that he was just honored to do, do something. And we all need to be that way. We all need to be doing ministry and feel honored to do ministry somewhere, somehow within the house. Also somewhere, somehow out in your daily life. See, serving Jesus is not just about going to church and forcing yourself to listen to a stale sermon and try to think good thoughts. No, that's actually dead religion. See, at City Life, we have nothing to do with dead religion. It's, it's all about us receiving and embodying the presence of God, which then causes us to serve others right here in the house and out in the culture. And what a, it's just a beautiful picture because Stephen, in this story, he finds his sweet spot. He begins doing what he was anointed to do. 
And when he did what he was anointed to do, it freed up other people to do what they were anointed to do. See, in this case, the apostles, the church staff, you know, as they were leading, they now no longer had to carry the load of distributing the meals because that wasn't their gifting or their calling or their anointing, although it was the responsibility of the church. See, this is important. Because I want you guys to see big picture through the mind of a pastor. That's one of the things I always want us to strive to do here at City Life. And I, I want to see that people stay and function in the areas of their anointings. I know we all tend to do things sometimes that we're not the best at. But, but, but really I want to see, see you in your anointing. And first of all, we don't ever want the church staff to be paid to do somebody else's ministry. Because... I know this, that is a sure way to suck the life out of a local church. And I'm dedicated as your pastor to preventing that from happening to us because when the apostles were actually freed up to operate in their sweet spot, which was leading the ministry and praying and studying the scriptures and preaching the gospel, God's work exploded and huge numbers of people came to Christ. Huge numbers of people came to Christ. Numbers. That's all through the New Testament, all through the book of Acts, about the number of people coming to Christ. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because sometimes uh, people will criticize the local church, and we don't receive this criticism here yet, but, it, you know, it comes. But, but people, uh, people will say, well, all you ever care about are just the numbers. And I just want to say this. Just absolutely, I mean, the numbers are a metric. I know that. But the truth is that every number represents a person. And that person has a soul that Jesus died for. And every soul matters to God and they matter to us. And God is not willing that any should perish. He wants zero, zero, zip, which happens to be a number to perish. He wants none to perish. Therefore, I care about numbers. Just like in the book of Acts, the church, if we do what they did in the book of Acts, the church grows numerically more. There's a higher number of people being baptized, higher number of people giving their lives to Christ, higher number of people involved in ministry, and a higher number of people involved in doing ministry out of their sweet spot. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's important to God because numbers represent people. Jesus died for people, and we're all about people. Stephen tweeted it this way. I, I know he tweeted it this way. He says, God's word is spreading rapidly since we've freed up the apostles to stay in their sweet spot. And right now, I just commission all of you, stay in your sweet spot. If you're good at smiling, you're a greeter. If you're good at organizing and building structure, then serve in administration. If you have a knack for children, then you need to be serving in the children's ministry and come hear me on, on Thursday evening. If you're a fantastic host, you need to lead a connect group or host people in your home, host people even here at City Life. See, when we all function in our sweet spot, more people come to Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ grows, and the we as a collective unit are seeing the Great Commission come to pass, which is what we're on earth to do. <laughs> here's, here's the truth. I, I don't want to lead a weak, anemic congregation. And we're not that, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to lead a congregation that is simply interested in attending a religious event so we can feel good about ourselves and check something off the list. Hey, tell you guys, I'll tell you right up front, I have zero passion for that. That's not me. 
Plus, when Stephen started operating in his sweet spot, something changed in his life. And that's how God works. When you start doing it, when you start doing ministry, all of a sudden God starts pouring more of him onto you because now Stephen's out in the community and God starts working through him with signs and wonders. The Bible says signs and wonders were happening through him among the people. That meant it wasn't happening at church. See, it was happening in his daily ministry as he was doing his business affairs. People were being healed and delivered and set free and God wants you to do that as well. It's because, why? It happened after he chose to step up and do what he had been commissioned to do, which was organize and deliver meals to widows. And as a result, this man became a powerful instrument of God. Hey guys, listen, the sky is the limit regarding how much God can use you. Stephen tweeted this. He said, he said, I can't believe the miracles God is working through me. Holy Spirit power is active in Jerusalem. I would love it if those are the kind of tweets that would be on your Twitter feed. Wouldn't you love for your great, great grandchildren to see that kind of stuff rather than a picture of your burger? <laughs> well, my daddy, my great, great grandpa liked pickles on his burger. My goodness, you know. You see, Things like this happen when God's people are freed up to simply do what they do best. That's what I want for us. And you see, at City Life, here's the truth. I don't care, and I have no desire for us to try to be the coolest church in town. Or I, I, I have no desire for us to be the edgy downtown church. I don't, that's not my desire. It never has been. I have one desire, and here it is, that the presence of God will be upon us and within us and flowing out of us into the culture. And one thing you can be sure of, when that begins to happen, and it is happening, that as God begins moving through the church and into the city, God begins to get the glory, but sometimes the religious folks start going, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? Because all of a sudden, God is, is uh, kind of upsetting their status quo through you. And that, that happens. Uh, in the story of Stephen, people from a particular group, which is called the Synagogue of the Freedmen, uh, it was kind of a little fragmented group. They, they, they were, they were gri gripey, grouchy people. You know, you, you've met them. They had this argumentative spirit, and they were starting to pick fights with Stephen. Uh, and, and the truth is, people are going to argue with you. They will try to argue religion with you all the time. I'll do it at work, at home, in social settings, in church, and especially online. Here's the deal. When you see the arguments going on, you hear and someone tries to engage you, don't argue. If you only knew the number of emails that I get and, and stuff that comes in through social media of people trying to get me to argue, if I argued with any of them, I'd be doing it day and night. It is a waste. And, and, and Stephen, in this case, he was summoned uh, by the synagogue of the freedmen to testify to them regarding uh, what he was doing in the community, you know. They wanted to know what was happening. And they actually had the power to do that in that culture. They could bring him in, so they did. Uh, Stephen sends this little tweet out. He says, God has given me wisdom. I like how he says that in the, 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 uh, in the positive form there. God's given me wisdom to speak to the synagogue of the freedmen. Pray for them <laughs> and pray for me too. And don't you hate it when someone has, a, has like an argumentative spirit? Um, they they want to have meeting after meeting, after another meeting, and then they want to dissect the meaning of the definition that you gave them of the Latin word that you used six months ago. I, 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 I can tell you this one thing for sure. In all my years of ministry, and all my years of living in a pastor's home also, neither my dad nor I have ever won a person over who had an argumentative spirit. 
here's what I also know. They will exhaust you. They will wear you out. They will distract you, and they will attempt to engage you on an emotional level, and it's happening to some of you right now. Argumentative people are not worth your energy. Some of you, that's your take-home. You need to haul off with that one today. Here's what you need to do. Is you need to pray for them, but don't give them your best energies. Because as soon as you begin to clear something up, they're going to come back and make it more complex and put you back on the defense. You see, an argumentative person keeps you on the defense. Now, we're, we know about sports around here. Defense doesn't score points very often, do they? No. See, defense loses ground. So don't waste your life playing on defense all the time or you're going to be a loser. Now, what I love about this story is that, is that in that setting, God just began to speak through, uh, through Stephen and gave him wisdom. And, 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 uh, and you know, as a result of that, they couldn't you know, come against the wisdom of God, so they began spreading all these false rumors, lies around town. And, and that's, that's no good, and I, I understand how that feels. That's happened to me before, and in a sense, I can kind of feel Stephen's pain because there's not a lot you can do to stop it <laughs> because it just keeps going and going and going. And, and, but, but here's one thing again. I, is that the majority of the time when false reports are swirling around about you, they will very likely go back to an argumentative person in your life. So just keep, keep your distance from them. Stephen tweeted this. I, I know he did. He, he said false reports are swirling around town. So what he can do, just, hey, just pray for me. Now, as this was happening, there was this other local uh, ruling body for the Jewish people that was, always, that was really like the Jewish Supreme Court called the Sanhedrin. Now, this is a large group of men, and, and Stephen was called, uh, he, was, he was arrested, and he was called into court because these religious leaders, the Supreme Court, wanted to know why he was stirring up all this stuff, why he was going around healing people in the name of Jesus, and miracles were happening. And, you know, you kind of listen to it, think, man, that's quite laughable from our perspective, but, but really the truth is they wanted to put an end to it. Stephen sends out this little tweet. He goes, I rested today and will be taken before the Sanhedrin on false charges. Pray I'll be a powerful witness of Jesus. And I can imagine what it was like in his prison cell awaiting the trial on these trumped up charges. And, and he just really wanted God to show up. And he didn't want it to be all about him. He wanted it to be about Jesus. So he wanted to make Jesus known. And we see a couple more tweets coming out of the prison cell. He says, I'm believing that the light of God will beam out from me during this trial. Truth will prevail. And he says, he sends another tweet that says, pray the Holy Spirit will give me the words to say as I stand before my accusers. And you, you can imagine the pressure he must have felt knowing that this trial was coming up and all I could do is pray and send out tweets because the guards failed to take his iPhone away from him so he was continuing to tweet and he sends out this message saying the guards are coming for me now God work a miracle today I commit myself to the gospel of Christ and this this little tweet that we concocted but we've definitely been there this, this clearly enunciates the heart of this man he simply wanted the gospel to advance, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Keep in mind, this is a business professional. He was in charge of a church ministry, but what he cared about most was that the gospel would spread because he, like his father God, knew that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. As they're taking him out, he sends his final message out, he didn't know it would be his final message of his life. That's basically, oh man, let's go. Let's do this. Come on, let's get on this adventure highway. He was taking this step that, that was, 
it was going to be something horrible and something absolutely amazing at the same time. And through this, most likely none of us will experience what he experienced. But I want us to take a look at what happened. If you look in Acts chapter 6, verse 15, now that's at the very end of Acts chapter 6. It says, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. In other words, like light was shooting out of him. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, whoa! These grouchy old men, and his face was bright. And he, then he started preaching this, this amazing impromptu sermon, which is most of chapter 7. It's amazing. You've got you to gotta read it. And, 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 but, but God literally just started speaking through him in a very, very strong message. But if you look down in Acts chapter 7 at the very end of that, in verse 54 we see the response to him glowing like an angel and preaching this sermon in front of these religious leaders. Everything starts going crazy. Verse 54 of chapter 7, it says, When the Sanhedrin heard this, the, the sermon, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. Ever wonder what that was like? I, every time I, I read that, in fact, as I was reading that again, like, what would that have been like? It's just, it's just all of a sudden, all these guys just... <laughs> That's like, that's like a weird, that's like a, that's like a, a scary movie. I don't know, but that, that w they would have done something like that. They were gnashing <laughs> their teeth, and that would have been weird. But, but they were doing this, and then it says, but Peter, excuse me, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven, and he, he saw this because he was full of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see things. God's going to show you stuff. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he's, he's thinking that everyone else can see this. He's thinking like, oh, great, this is the moment they're going to see it. He goes, look, 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 there it is. Heaven, I see it open, and the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. But at this, they covered their ears and started screaming and yelling, and they rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. The religious leaders stoned him. It says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats in front of a young man by the name of Saul, which we later known as Paul, which is the greatest missionary of the New Testament. And that's where he's introduced into the story at this scene. It says, While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Look at this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord do not hold this sin against them, just like Jesus did on the cross. And when he had said this, I love the words Luke puts in here. It says, he fell asleep. We call it death, but the truth is, is Jesus introduced this terminology to us in the New Testament. It's like, you're just falling asleep because your, your physical body is expiring, but there is this eternal life. You're, it's not over. Well, I mean, but, but still, the moment, can, can you imagine this dramatic conclusion to his physical life, and all he was doing was just obeying God and serving God and feeding some widows, and, and bam, all this happens, and now he falls asleep. This man of grace, this man of power, this man of signs and wonders, this man of God's wisdom, this man who proclaimed the word of God, this man who boldly confronted religious ignorance, and, and this man who forgave his murderers. 
this man, Stephen, what would he say to us if he were here with us today? After studying his life, you know, there are a few things that I feel very confident he would say to us. Fortunately, they're preserved on Twitter for us, but I want us to take a look at that. One of the things he would say, I believe, would be this. Live with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Let him ooze out of you wherever you are. At work and at home and in social groups and online. The key words is let the Holy Spirit ooze out of you so that when someone nudges you or brushes up against you or jabs at you, what's going to get on them? of God because there's so much of God in you (laughs) don't you want that hey guys do you want that I don't want that I believe Stephen also would have said hey get the wisdom of Christ it's a beautiful trait that will set you apart in the marketplace I mean you want to be set apart in the marketplace you know, it's one thing to, to do wonderful things in, in, inside the house, which we should, we should all do, but, but you, you, you want to do wonderful things in the marketplace? Well, get the wisdom of Christ. See, this is something that you have to ask for. It's, it's beyond your personal wisdom. It's 100% supernatural. It's not you. It's God. But, but how do you get it? You actually ask for it. Scripture tells us that we have to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. And when we ask for that wisdom, God will give it to us in abundance. But he also says, we don't have wisdom because we're not asking for it. I'll tell you guys, you can study and research and grow in intelligence. That's great. I'm all for that. But wisdom will not necessarily come that way. But you have access to supernatural wisdom if you'll just ask for it. Some of you, you need to start asking God for wisdom today and make it part of your daily prayer life until you begin to see this happening in your life. And your, your life will begin to make a difference out there in the marketplace. Stephen, I believe he would also have said this in this other little tweet. It says, be a person of faith, living in, in total abandon for Jesus because you're not going to regret it. And, and, and I tell you guys, it doesn't mean you have to be a weirdo. Nobody's asking you to be a weirdo. He doesn't say be, be weird. He just says be a person of faith and see a person who acts on faith what they're doing is they are making making the choice to be proactive in life and they're not just going to react to every circumstance that life throws at them it's a person who steps forward instead of lurking in the shadows of life in other words have faith haul off and have a good time living for jesus 100 refusing to bow down to the idols of our city culture and there are a lot of them that are out there And if you do that, you're not going to regret it. That will be a rewarding way to live. Stephen also, I believe, would have said this. Receive God's grace and give it away. It's an ideal way to make Jesus known. You see, listen up, guys. To give grace, you've got to get grace. See, first of all, you have to do is you have to allow God to forgive you. And some people struggle with that because they don't believe God can forgive them, but most people in our culture really believe God can forgive. But what most people don't do is forgive themselves. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, has forgiven you and can't remember anything you did back there. Why can't you forgive yourself? 
That's holding some of you down. See, when you begin, though, to receive his forgiveness, forgive yourself, now you're operating in grace, and then you can begin to give it away. I mean, it's very, very simple, actually, and, and that's the ideal way to make Jesus known. That's how Jesus lived. He gave grace away at every turn. And that's what he calls us to do as well. And finally, I think that Stephen the martyr would say this to us if he were here today. Receive and use God's power and ask for the best gifts of the Holy Spirit and then use the gifts that he provides. See, the Holy Spirit, here's how it works. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we give our lives to Christ. So whenever you give your life to Christ, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, what happens is he washes your sin, makes you clean as if you've never sinned before, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. We call that salvation, but, but we can also be full of that Holy Spirit. And this is actually, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, that's when the power of God can come into play in our lives in a huge way, because there's a difference between having salvation and being full of the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit, but you're not necessarily full. Any of you ever get a, get a little get some water and you can put like this much water in the bottom of a cup and say yeah i've got a cup of water yeah you absolutely do but i can fill it up and say now i have fullness of it and that's that's what i i, I want for you <laughs> but the way you get that is you also ask god you ask god to fill you with his spirit and then you begin to ask god for the spiritual gifts uh, you know first corinthians 12 13 and 14 tells us that we should ask god for the best gifts and ask god that he'll put those into our lives why? So that we can be a beacon of hope to the culture. And, and so, so that His Spirit will abound in us and we'll bear spiritual fruit. And then, then whatever God pours into you, just make sure that you use it and that you put it out there the way Stephen did because you can make a change in this world. You can make a difference. It's a choice we make now. I want you to ask now. I want you to receive today. I'm asking for no movement at this time. I'm going to ask you to just to close your eyes and focus internally. Will you do that with me, please? All right, here's my question to you. Are, you. are you craving to be used by God, but you just keep hitting this brick wall? And you may be, may be feeling weak or underutilized by God, but then one of these little things that I've mentioned in this message, you know that's a key, that's a catalyst, that's something that must be changed in your life today. Well, if that's so, I tell you what, guys, if you're tired of living at this level, you, but you want to move up to that next level, I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you that your life just bumps up to a new level. How, how many of you right now, as I get ready to pray, say, Pastor, I want my life to move to a new level. I want to, I want to start being bold and living like Stephen lived. If you'll just lift your, lift your hand one or both, and because hey, with your hands up, I want you to pray with me. Come on, just pray with me right now. God, God, Come on, just say these words with me. Say, dear God, I want to be full of your spirit. I choose to do the works of Christ. I choose to believe in the cause of Jesus in this world. And I want to participate in it. I choose to get in my sweet spot and to serve you and to forgive myself and to be full of your spirit. And God... I will choose to be glad wherever I am serving, knowing that you will use me greatly. Also, if you're here this morning and 
you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you want a clean slate, and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you don't know Jesus that I'm talking about, you have sin in your life, and you know that you want that sin uprooted, you want to see a new life, you want the Spirit of God to come live in you, you want to be included in this closing prayer, make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm simply going to ask you to lift your hand because it's a way of responding outwardly to what is stirring in you inwardly right now. And you know that stirring. That's, I'm not putting that there. That's the Holy Spirit that's talking to you. Jesus died for you so that you could have life. And I want you to receive him today. Who right now would say, Pastor, I want to make things right with Christ. I need my sins forgiven. I, I'm ready to serve Jesus. Would you lift your hand for me, please? Lift your hand so that I can see because I want to join my faith with yours. Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to make things right with him. Just lift your hand for me. I want to make things right. Today is my day. Today is the day that I'm making things right with the Lord. All right, let's all stand up together. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Hey, guys, if you, if you raised your hand, I want you, or even if you didn't raise your hand and you need to pray this prayer, I want you along with everyone else in here to pray these words with me, these words of commitment to Christ. This is the most important part of today. Come on, everybody, pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God, so please forgive my sin. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to follow you and to serve you, and to make a difference in this world, and to make your name known. Thank you for cleansing me from my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411 or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.